Well, good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. Uh, we are thankful that we can be here together in person, worshiping God, but also uh, to, by God's Spirit to be joined by those online in the live stream. Before we begin our worship, I do have a few announcements. Um, as you may know already, uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, on Wednesday nights. Adonijah has been leading us through a book called Truth, Truth to Tell by Leslie Newbegin. And that series will, will continue um, this Wednesday and through the rest of March. And that meets on, on, on the Zoom from 8 to 9. So feel free to join if you haven't come already. Uh, it is still open. Uh, you're welcome to join with that. Also, there is uh, children's worship today. Uh, we will uh, dismiss the kids after our prayer. Um, Melinda will greet the kids just here in the, in the hallway uh, directly behind us. Also, the youth are meeting right now. Uh, if you'd like to go over there, uh, you can meet with Pastor Eric. He's over in one of the rooms in the foyer. So we'll have that as well. One more thing. Um, for Palm Sunday and Easter this year, we're going to have two services, 8.30 and 9.30. Uh, so feel free to join um, uh, us for those. Well, we, uh, we, we come out of our sin, out of our rebellion, out of our longing in God calls us out of that in to be his, his people and to worship him. Before we begin our worship, let's just take a moment of pause to prepare our hearts as we worship. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 107. Um, and here in this room, we will just be reading the responsive leader parts. But if you're worshiping at home, you're welcome to sing along. So let's all stand together. trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. The Lord said it. 
please be seated. Well, this, this morning, as part of our worship, we have the privilege of participating in the sacrament of baptism. So I want to invite the Matthews family to come forward. Uh, our son Isaiah will be baptized today. Before I ask David and Lauren the uh, baptism vows, um, we want to take a moment just to remind ourselves of what this gift is that God has given to us. And one of the ways to think about the sacrament of communion and, and baptism is that it's speaking to the question of what does this tell us about God? You know, who is God? What's our God like? And so here we see in this water that Isaiah will receive that we are reminded that God is not only the creator, but the recreator, that God can do something that we cannot do, which he can wash us to the deepest points and give us new life in our very hearts. And this is good news. And for David and, and Lauren, and for, for all of us, it's a chance to remember this promise, that God did not leave us in our sin and misery, but in his grace came to us with his promise, that he is greater than our sin and our death, and in Christ, we can be united to him forever. And so we are very thankful to receive Isaiah as part of this promise, this covenant child. And as he's received into the covenant family, we pray that by God's spirit and through his work and his word and his church, that this reality would become a sign, not just a sign on his skin, but a seal upon his heart. And so this is a chance to celebrate with David and, and Lauren and to th give thanks for their family, but also to celebrate this good news about who our God is, the one who forms a covenant people in his grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and we, we give you thanks that you did not leave us, but you came to us in Christ. And so, Lord, we come and we ask that this would be a, a special time for the Matthews family to be reminded of your grace and your provision for them, and especially for Isaiah. But Lord, we also pray for all of us that as we witness this, it would be a reminder that we are not alone, but that you invite us to come and find renewal and rest and life in you. We pray that your spirit would be at work in us this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, David and Lauren, let me ask you these vows before God and before your church. Do you acknowledge Isaiah's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises on his behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation as you do for your own? Do you now unreservedly dedicate Isaiah to God in promise and humble reliance upon God's grace that you will endeavor to set before him a godly example that you will pray with and for him, and that you'll teach him the faith, and that you'll strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What's your son's full Christian name?
is, I know, I'm, <laughs> thank you. This is Isaiah Sebastian Walker Matthews, son of David and Lauren and brother to Jackson. Isaiah Sebastian Walker, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray for Isaiah. Lord, we give you thanks for Isaiah. We thank you how he is a gift, a clear gift of you from you. We thank you how he is a gift to his parents and to his brother, to all his family. And we thank you how he's a gift to our church. And we thank and we pray for the Matthews as they are transitioning to membership at Emmanuel. Thank you how he'll be a gift to that community as well. Lord, we pray for Isaiah that you would mark his steps, that you would teach him about the strength of Christ, the one who was willing to be last, the one who was willing to be a servant, the one who was willing to entrust himself to his father, knowing that he'd be vindicated. We pray for that strength in Isaiah that he would rest in the grace of Christ and that he'd use his gifts not only for himself, but use his gifts for his neighbors in the glory of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before the Matthews sit down, let's, let's all stand together. And I invite you um, to join together in offering this blessing for Isaiah. Isaiah, may the Lord preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you are our only true refuge, our steadfast shelter. We seek you and need you and long for you even when we run from you, even when we wander long and far from you, even when we squander the blessings and gifts you have given us, you call us home and you are eager to meet us with your disruptive and lavish grace. As we gather in worship this morning, make us aware, Lord, of your loving presence. Loving God, open our hearts to both receive and give, to drink deeply of your love and then to give abundantly from it. And how often, Lord, we can settle for something less, scapegoating, cultural idolatry, dismissing or diminishing the impact that our sin and other sin has had on human life. Lord, even that desire to cancel the sinner, we know it's, it's easy to walk down these invigorating paths. But Father, open our imaginations to see your self-giving love and be changed by it. May our lives be filled up with the spirit-led resurrection life that Jesus purchased with his broken body and shed blood. Lord, as we continue to hold both weariness from the virus, from the polarizing and disorienting world we are living, give us hope. Meet us with all of the delight and wonder and the surprise that Jesus' life and death and resurrection 
bring to our anxious and hungry hearts. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus, amen. Well, as we come each Sunday, we come um, out of our need to acknowledge with God our sin and to receive, uh, to anticipate his loving kindness and his mercy. Before I do that, though, I want to dismiss the children. Um, Melinda is waiting in the back, waiting to greet them. So, so as we come to confess, we'll, we'll confess both corporately as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. This is what God told his people. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall shall not do any work. For in six days the the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that it is, all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Almighty God, you have given us true rest in Christ. He has finished all the work needed for our salvation, but we often live our lives as if we don't have time to rest or pray or think about you. We meditate on our list and we go about our days filled with anxiety and carrying heavy burdens. Help us to rest in your providence and love. Let's take a moment to quietly confess our sin to God.
Gracious God, we are thankful that you came to us in our weakness, in our greatest need of rescue. While we're still sinners, you descended into the depths of our sin and death to be in our place and to raise us to new life. We give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Having confessed our sin, let's stand together and hear the words of assurance. They come to us from Romans chapter 10. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading today is uh, from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. Then they set out from Matmor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient because of the journey. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. The New Testament reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Well, it's good to see you and good to be together to worship and uh, thankful for a chance to gather in person, but also uh, online. 
I was back in the back room for a little while <laughs> with, with the people on Zoom, so thankful that we can gather in both ways. Um, during the season of Lent, uh, we have been looking at passages from the Gospels, in particular thinking about passage, or looking at passages that Jesus speaks about his ministry, about the coming of the kingdom, and what that means for us. And we're going to continue doing that today <clears throat> Excuse me, by looking at John 3, John 3, verse 14 through 21. So let me read that uh, for us now. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Well, this is God's word given for our good. As we look at this passage and reflect on it, I want us to, I want to give an image to you, and then we'll ask two questions. An image, and then two questions. So the image is what Jesus offers here from an Old Testament event, and asking us to imagine uh, this event that we heard uh, Jonas read about from Numbers 21, Jesus says, using the title of Son of Man for himself, Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness is a reference, like I said, to Numbers 21. Israel had been released from slavery in Egypt, but they had not yet arrived in the promised land. They were in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but it's possible as those who live in the city that we can romanticize the, the wilderness. Want to be nice to get out to some green space, you know? But in the scriptures, that's not how the wilderness was perceived. It was a place apart from human power, apart from human control. A place once you were exposed, like you didn't know what provisions you'd have or what threats that you would experience. And here in Numbers 21, that threat, that exposure, that sense that you're on your own comes to a point in which the people are plagued by fiery serpents. And that people were bitten and many people died of the venom. Now, snakes have a tendency to bring a strong response. Some of you might love them. I hate snakes. Imagine many of you do as well. But imagine the terror of the scene, right, of, of already experiencing the weariness of this journey. And now there is this terrible event of snakes everywhere and poisonous venom that is leading to people dying. Well, God hears the people's cry and they cry out and Moses intercedes for the people. And God tells Moses, make a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole and hold it up. And if anyone who's bitten looks at this raised serpent, 
he or she will live. If we can picture such a scene, the terror of the snakes and the wonder that people were being healed from the venom, and if we asked one of those who had been bitten, but then looked and lived, how she felt, she might say, I feel like I've received my life back. Like I've been born again, like I have a new beginning. And that would be true. You see, Jesus is asking us to imagine this scene in order to speak about himself and his mission. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him, whoever looks on him in faith, may have eternal, unending life. You see, the serpent is a picture of Jesus lifted up on the cross, and that all who look, all who trust in the Son, are united to him by the Spirit, and he takes upon himself our death and sin and gives us his very life. That's the image, that's what Jesus wants us to hear. And we can ask a couple questions as we reflect on that truth. First, what does it say about us? What does that say about us? Well, if the serpent on the pole represents Jesus being lifted up, then we are to find our place with the Israelites who have been bitten, who are weary, and who are in need of rescue. If we follow the image that Jesus offers us, a venom has impacted everyone, each one of us, and it has worked into our hearts. And not only has it worked into our hearts leading to death, but its cure is beyond our power and beyond our resources. And while our passage speaks of our need for renewal, some intervention, it also reflects on our love, our affection, for the darkness. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. Christ is the true light who came into the world to illuminate everyone. But our passage invites us to ask, what if we prefer the darkness? What if we are convinced that we know best, that we don't need any new input Or what if we decide that what's best is to stay hidden, that no help could actually arrive, or if it does, it will not be safe? You see, our passage invites us to reflect on how it is that we seek to make our way apart from the light and the intervention of God. One translation reads that we are in crisis, and here is the crisis. God's light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. In our woundedness, we run and are running, whether it's a deep conviction that I can take care of it, I know what's best, or whether it's I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be known, I don't want anyone to be aware of certain things. Whatever that darkness looks like, or whatever that running looks like in your life or mine, it ultimately leads to the same place of being alone. Being alone. Alone to face the terrors of this journey and alone to face the venom at work within us. So our passage invites us to reflect upon ourselves, even challenging things. 
But the second question I want to ask in the last part is how do we move out of the darkness? What could draw us out of the darkness? And the answer to that lies in the proclamation of our passage. What can move us out of the darkness? What we hear is that while we love the darkness, God loved the world. Why it's true that people run or love the darkness, God loved the world. Maybe one of the most famous passages in Scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but rather to save the world through him. Long, long, long ago, St. Augustine wrote sermons about the Gospel of John. And in a series of sermons, he gave an image, a couple of images that I thought I'd share. He talks about a green branch being offered to a sheep and a bowl of nuts being offered to a little boy. <laughs> Maybe you can relate to those or not. I love a good bowl of pistachios. But the thing that he was saying by this, these images, right, a green branch, a bowl of nuts, that these things could draw, or they would attract the sheep or the boy. Maybe we could think in our settings of dog treats for a dog, maybe a piece of nice chocolate cake for a kid, or a cup of coffee for, for us, maybe, a nice warm cup of coffee. Augustine's using these images, inviting us to imagine these things that draw or attract us, to conclude that the mind is drawn by love that the mind, that our very soul, is drawn by love. And that God has revealed himself not just as some textbook that we receive, but God has revealed himself that we would know him in his love. God's revelation, his word and his son, is like a magnet for our desires, longing to know the love that he's showing forth. You see, the passage is honest about our darkness, our love for it. But it's also asking what can pull us out of it, what could convince us that it's okay to be known or to be seen or to listen? And the answer is the love of God. For while we love the darkness, God loved the world. As we grasp that or see it, it draws our hearts to it. See, the evil is at work in the world and even deep-rooted within us. But that evil and that venom took its full force out on Jesus when he was lifted up like the bronze serpent, lifted up on the cross. And when we see that, when we grasp what he took upon himself, we are seeing the love of God for us in Christ. The draw, the power of that love is stressed by two descriptions. God so loved the world and whoever believes. It was common in that day to know that God loved Israel, but here we hear that God loved the world. Even those far away, those who did not have their act together, those who weren't even aware of the law of God, he loved them. And the invitation, the depth of that love, the draw of that love is for whoever believes, whoever would look and wonder that the God who made them sees them and invites them to find rest in his love. Whoever looks at the sun lifted up will have life, life everlasting. I pray that today that we may hear this good news, hold that image in our mind, 
and that it may call us out of our isolation, call us out of our pride, call us out of our fear and out of the things that we're clinging to that destroy us. Amen. I pray that God would do that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your word. We pray that it would meet us wherever we are, that by your spirit that you would draw us to you, that we would step out of the darkness and find the, the love and the rest and the truth of your light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. to take communion together, I invite you to stand with me that we can welcome each other and receive each other as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. This table does not belong to me or to this church, but it is the table of Christ that is set for his people. And so if you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ, the one lifted up, then come and eat and drink as part of God's family. As we come, it's worth us reflecting for a moment that we hear lots of things in the world, and one of them could be that you have to make sure that you have everything right, 
that make sure that everybody sees you the right way, that you have to make sure that you hide certain things that otherwise people will dismiss you. This table tells us a different message. The God who created you, who sees you completely, loves you fully, and loved you to the end, Christ even taking our sin and death upon himself, his body broken and his blood shed. And through his work, we now sit as part of God's family at his table. This is the good news. And when we participate in communion together, we are remembering not our good works or all the things we put forth, but we're remembering Christ's work on our behalf. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. And we pray you set apart the elements from a, a everyday use for a sacred and holy one. That as we see this bread and cup, as we taste this juice and the bread, that it would remind us of who you are, not only our creator, but our recreator, our redeemer in Christ. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are participating in communion and you have received uh, the elements on the way in, I invite you to go ahead and prepare those. If you, if you need one, anyone need something? I need an element. Okay. If you're not participating today or if you're online and don't have the elements with you, then I encourage you to use this time as a time of reflection to, to look at the, the cup and the bread that remind us of who Christ is and his love for you the truth of his love. Well, on the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus' body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was poured out to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. response to the table, I invite you, if you're able to stand, that we can join together in our response of sending. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. I receive God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen. May go in peace.